Thank you so much for joining us for another message from Sandhill Free Will Baptist Church in Sandusky, Ohio. This podcast you're about to enjoy was given live before the congregation at Sandhill. It is our desire as a church to live Christ to people while loving people to Christ. We pray that this podcast will invigorate and encourage your walk with Christ. It is our steadfast belief that we can still be unwavering in our faith if we hold fast to the absolute truth of God's mighty word. For more sermons like this, as well as additional content, please visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or visit our social media pages on YouTube or Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Um, I hope this message can be encouraging to us. Um, it's, I, I hope that it maybe can be a little eye-opening this morning. But we'll be reading in uh, Matthew chapter 24, if you could be finding your place there. And uh, isn't it a strange day that we live in? Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. It is a strange day that we're living in. And I'm not just talking about the virus. I'm just talking about it seems like the whole entire world has lost its mind. And... Um, and I, as I read the Bible, so many things that used to just that I don't understand that. And now it's just becoming so plain what the Bible really means because it's happening right before our eyes, right? You watch the news, you pick up a newspaper, and then you read your Bible and you say, man, that's as plain as can be now. And um, I would like for us to, uh, I have never been, and I am not this morning, but I have never been one of those preachers that just jump on board every time some bad thing happens. Oh, it's the end of time. It's in the time, right? That, that's been going on for years. I remember when I was a kid back in the 80s, every preacher was saying, it's the end of time. It's the end of time. I knew I'd never graduate. They had us all convinced it was the end of time. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not one of those kind of preachers. I believe the Bible is being fulfilled before our very eyes. I believe the Lord could come back uh, before this service is over. I also believe he could tarry for another hundred years, right? So I'm not here saying it's the end of time, you know, today, but I do think that it's really hard to read the Bible and not understand that a whole lot of what Jesus said was going to happen. It's happening right now. It's happening right now, <laughs> right? And so we're going to just look at that a little bit this morning. So if you're able, physically able, if you're not, please just remain seated. But if you're physically able, I ask you to stand and honor God's word. Matthew chapter 24, this whole entire chapter, Jesus, while he was on earth, began to tell them what would happen before he came back, before the end of time. And he spells it out uh, all throughout this chapter. But I'd just like to look at a few verses uh But of that day and hour was no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. Then shall two be in the and one shall be taken and another left. Watch therefore, for ye know not the, what hour your Lord doeth come. Amen. Let us pray.
got three points, three questions, and I'd just like to kind of look at this just Whenever I come back, it is going to look like Noah's day. Okay? And so we go back and we look in, in the sixth chapter of Genesis and we begin to try to understand what did it look like in Noah's day? Have you really thought about that? What What is Jesus saying in this scripture? What is he trying to portray? Uh, what What's going on? So if we look back at, uh, I'd like to just try to spell out as best I can what was going on in Noah's day. I did a little bit of research. If you if you go back and, and um, I, I kind of cheated, I let some all the genealogies, you know, so and so. Do all the math. They have calculated out. If you take what uh, the genealogies in the Book of Genesis, that Noah's flood probably happened around uh, twenty four seventy two, about twenty five hundred years before Jesus came to this earth. Okay. Now, if you do the other, if you do the math the other way, uh, the earth was probably created about 1500 years before that, round numbers. So what we're looking at is after Adam and Eve were in the garden, 1500 years later, the flood came. You guys with me? So we look at that time that Noah was living in and we understand, I want, I want you to get this, uh, uh, their, their great, 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 great grandma saw God face to face. Their great 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 grandma uh, talked to him in the heat of the day. Uh, they 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 had communion with him. God had explained things to them. They they understood about God. And and we don't we're not given a tremendous amount of details about all of that time. We know that Adam and Eve had had fellowship, had personal. Uh, listen, that was before sin, as before anything. They they literally just had full fellowship with God. And you say, well, they sinned and they fell. Yeah, they did. Uh, but the, we learn from Cain and Abel that there was a sacrifice that they, they were worshiping God. They, there was a we don't know all about it. it wasn't most Mosaic is before Moses. It wasn't under grace, but there was some type of understanding of God and worshiping God going on there. And so that was, uh, that was very present. And can you just imagine going to your grandma and saying, Mama, what was it like talking to God face to face? And she said, let me tell you about it, honey. I talked to him. I just like, I'm talking to you. It was amazing. And, and, and seeing honey, let me tell you, uh, uh, it was perfect before grandma messed up took that fruit and we all fell into sin and honey let me tell you you don't ever want to do that so that so that's kind of that's kind of where they came from now you could be sitting here thinking to yourself 1500 years is a long time and in our minds 1500 years is a long time and we're talking about from adam and eve until the flood so that seems like a really long time i want to remind you this is mind-blowing i know but if you read your bible they were living eight nine hundred years Okay, so that, I know that's, a, that's hard to believe. That's what the Bible says. So here's what you got to understand. 1,500 years, very, very um, easily, the people who died in the flood could have been talking to people who had actually known Adam and Eve. Isn't that mind-blowing? <laughs> that's mind-blowing. So, so you're talking to someone who says, yeah, I was there and I talked to Adam and Eve. Right now, I'm 850 years old, but I talked to you know I talked to the ones who talked to Adam and Eve. So, so that's mind blowing. So, what the picture I'm trying to paint of you is: this was a culture that knew about God, and and even family wise, there was a great connection that they knew there was a God. They knew that there was a right and wrong. They knew all of that. 
But we come to Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5, and this is what the Bible says. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let me read that last part again. And every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So we've gone from a time when we knew all about God to a time where everyone's thoughts were very far away from God. Are you with me? That, that, that's, that's the time that we're living in. But really the picture that we see, this is, a, this is what I'd like to, to get across to you guys uh, this morning. Uh, the picture that we see, and the Bible doesn't spell all this out in great detail, but the picture that we see of Noah, you know what they were really doing in Noah's day? They were living life. It wasn't the fact of how evil they were. I believe this is the way I understand the scripture. I'm going to try to point that out in Matthew. But here's how I see it. It wasn't that they were so evil. They had simply lived life without God. Right? They, they were, in verse, uh, back where we started, verse number uh, um 38, he goes on to tell us, this is what was going on. In the days they, the, before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving marriage. You know what they were doing? They were living life. They, they, were, they were just living life. They were, they were making a living, they were getting married, they were having families, they were building houses. They, they were just living life without God. Without God. And God said, you guys forgot all about me. And it got to the point where he said... You guys are so far away from me. Your thoughts and your imaginations are completely evil away from me. So that is the time. And then, and then what a, what a scary thought that he says in verse, um, Verse 39, how scary is this verse? So you get the picture, they're, they're marrying, they're giving a marriage, they're having a good time, they're just living life, they've completely forgot about God. And verse 39 says, and they knew not until the flood came. How scary are those words? We're just having a good time. We're just enjoying life. We're just, we're just, we're, we're making the best of things. We're living our life and all of a sudden it starts to rain. Now Mo or Noah has been out preaching. He's, he's known as the preacher of righteousness. He's been out preaching for, I, I believe about 150 years. He's been preaching to them. The flood's coming. The flood's coming. And you know what they said? I'm busy having life right now. I'm busy having my family. I'm busy having, making money. I'm busy doing all the things in life. And I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I believe in God, but I don't have time for all that God stuff. I'm just, and then it started to rain. And you know what they said? I changed my mind. Never seen it rain before. I don't want to drown. I'll get in the ark now. But the Bible said that God had shut up the door and they couldn't get in. Do you guys see, I don't want this to be a discouraging message, but I do want this to be a plain message. Do you guys see that in 2020, that's the day we're living in? There are a multitude of people who say, I believe in God. Judgment might be coming, but I don't have time for that right now. But can I tell you, just like this, they're not going to know until it happens. And then they're going to say, oh my, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I, I, I want to be a part of God's family. I don't want to go to hell. So, so we understand that in Noah's day, they simply were obsessed with living life. So point number two, what does life look like today? 
What does life look like today? In 2020, what does life look like? And, and I'm not going to preach about the world. I'm going to preach about the United States. Is that all right? Because that's, that's where we live. Okay, I'm going to preach about the United States. But where, what does the world look like today? I think most anybody knows uh, that, that we came from a Christian heritage, right? We, we, we were founded upon those who believed in the Bible, those who believed in Jesus Christ. That's what this nation was founded upon. And even as evil and as wicked as the United States has become, you can talk to most people, there is a belief in God, right? There, there's, there's some belief in God. That, that, is, that is the culture that we live in. But I want you to understand that today, people have a lot of beliefs, a lot of thoughts, a lot of opinions about God that are not even relatively close to what the Bible says. I mean, not even close. Preachers have a lot of... uh, uh, I'm not going to name names. I started to, but I better not. There are a lot of preachers you can watch, and they will give you scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, and they will they will present their case, and it is nothing but heresy. It is nothing but blatant heresy. It is anti-biblical what they are spreading. But they are backing it up with a random verse here and a random verse there, taken out of context, trying to make it say what they want. Uh, but but do you guys see that we're living in a country that was founded in Christianity that has now become so uh, far away from the Bible that most of the thoughts and most of the things people say, most of the conversations you hear are, are so far away from what God says that, it, that it's scary. I have, I have, um, in the la- and I really believe the Lord has been giving me an education. I really believe this all my heart uh, uh, because the things that have been happening to me. But over the last probably three or four months, I don't know the exact timeline, but somewhere in there, I have uh, been able to talk to numerous people. I mean, numerous people. And I've really had my eyes opened. I've talked to so many people of late, mostly not from this church, a few from this church, but mostly not from this church, and they begin to voice what they believe. I'll be honest with you, it scared me to death. Absolutely scared me to death. Things like this, things like this, oh, I believe in God, and, 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 I, and we're, we're really big in God, and, and I just believe if I keep most of the Ten Commandments and I'm good to my neighbor, I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven. And I mean, I'm not talking about trying to put on a show. I'm talking about genuinely in their heart believing that's how you get to heaven. Now, some of these people, I ask them to their face, do you go to church? Oh, no, we haven't been in church in 20 years. We're living together. We're, we're this, we're that. But we believe in God. We know we're going to heaven. And you say, now, now I, I want to address something here just real, just real briefly. Because there are, a, there are a handful of Sand Hill people who need, need to hear this. There are people in Sand Hill who still believe that, that those people are lying through their teeth. Because I hear people say things like this. There ain't nobody that doesn't know that's wrong. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. There are people who believe they are Christians who can live together and do all kinds of sinful things and never be saved and never go to church, but they're very, very confident they're going to heaven. You say, how in the world could someone think that way? Because they've never been in church and they don't know the Bible. 
So we, we have that culture of ours where there are all kinds of, of false beliefs, false understandings, false ways to get to heaven. Can I tell you there's one way to get to heaven? Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. The only way you get to heaven. You must be saved. It isn't about if you sin or you don't sin. It, isn't about it. it is about Jesus Christ. You have to believe in Him. Uh, trust Him for your salvation. That's the only way you're going to get to heaven. It is not about what you do and what you do not do. But that is the the thought process of the people. Now, I've tried to explain this before, and I don't know that I'm, I don't know that I've still got my point across. Um, boy, we could preach a long time on Facebook, couldn't we? If you click on the videos on Facebook, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I mean, just, they're, they're just, they're just, a multitude on there. You'll find somebody who is who is on a on a rampage on some particular subject, and they're quoting Bible verses, and they're telling you how it is. And I'm sitting there listening to it, thinking to myself, "That is flat out heresy. That is that is so unbiblical." But here is the scary part, people. Here is what burdens my heart. There are a whole lot of Christian people who will turn that on and say, "Man, that's good stuff right there." I'm, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. That's good stuff. No, it's not good stuff. It is anti-biblical. And the reason that is is because we have got away from the Bible. We have got away from the Bible and we are so ignorant in the Bible that we are easily misled because we don't know what the Bible says. And that is a problem. That is a problem. So we could, we could rant all day about all the bad, crazy things going on in the world, Washington and, and blah, 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 blah. But, but let's, let's, let's get a little closer to home. Shall we? Shall we? What about the churches? What about the churches? I'm talking about all the churches across. Let, let, let's just do this. All of the, the Christian churches, all the churches that believe in Jesus Christ in, in, the, in the United States. What about them? Is it not true that in 2020, that if you were really to round up all of the people who believe in Christianity, who believe in Jesus Christ, in all the churches, you know, before this virus hit, I forget how many millions of people went to church every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, how many millions of people were in church houses? But I believe that most of those people, I'm not going to throw a number on it, I don't know what that number is, but I believe it is a very, very high percentage of those people who go to church every Sunday because I work with some of them. They're very secular. Do we know what that word means? They're more about the world than they are about the church. Listen, I gotta make a living. I've gotta make money. I've got to work. I've gotta go have fun. I've gotta go on vacation. I've gotta do uh, recreation and, and all my hobbies and all the things that I do. And, and I'm all about the community and everything that is in the world. And man, I'm, I'm all about that. And my life is so consumed and so wrapped up with that. And when I get time, I will put Jesus in there somewhere. And that's a Christian life that we're living. That's a Christian life we're living. And you take that, so you come in, you, you, you guys answer me this question. You come into, you come into the church house and your mind is so consumed with work, fun, recreation, hobbies, yada, 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 what you got to do around the house and everything else. And you are so wrapped up in that and you come into the house of the Lord and the preacher preaches the hellfire and damnation, preaches the word of God. How much of that do you really take in? Almost none. And that's why we have the situations we have today. People are so secular, people are so worldly, that they are not uh, receiving the Word of God. 
People live by their feelings and not by what the Word of God says. I am very, very, um, I think everybody knows where Gary's at on this issue, but I am very um, confident, very strong opinion that, that the Bible will take care of all of our problems. Every problem the United States has, every problem the church has, every problem, every problem anybody had, the Bible will take care of it. I am of a strong belief that if we do what the Bible says, everything's going to be all right. I believe that. But I believe our feelings gives in a heap of, heap of trouble. And I just talked to enough people, I've just talked to people over and over and over and over again, and I believe that they genuinely believe what they're saying, but it isn't the Bible. It isn't right. It, it, it isn't accurate. And we need to get back to the Bible. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 4, 3, very familiar scripture, but how accurate is this today that we live in? And Paul wrote this to Timothy, I believe as a prophecy. Is this not fulfilled in our own day? For the time will come when, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. What's that saying? In the end time, people are, listen, in the end time, church people are going to say, I don't want my toes stepped on. I don't want to be corrected. I don't want to tell me how to live or what God expects. I want you to make me feel good when I come to church. Do you know how many times I've been told that by people who go to this church? Don't hurt my feelings. Don't condemn me. Don't correct me. Just make me feel good so I can have a better week. I'm having a hard enough time here now. And if you just make me feel good when I come to church, I'll get through the next week. Well, maybe you wouldn't have such a hard week if you live right for God. But I don't want to be corrected. I don't want you to show me where I'm wrong. I don't want you to preach a Bible. I just want you to preach something that make me feel really, really good. And that's what the Bible said would come to pass. That's what Paul said. So my last point, my last question uh, I think if if you if you can look around and all, you can see that the days of Noah, the kind of condition that the, that the world was in in that day, I think it is very very similar. It is really identical to the to the world that we're living in today. It is completely secular. Um, you know, may I remind you that even with the virus and everything else, our economy is doing quite well. We're the most prosperous nation, literally, that has been since Adam and Eve today. We have money, we have wealth, we have possessions, we have hobbies, we have fun, we have this, we have that. Nothing wrong with any of that if God is first. But if God is not first, those things are all sin, right? And so I'm not up here preaching against working, making money, having fun. I'm preaching against any of that stuff. I kind of like to, uh, to do things myself, but not when it becomes first above God. And that is where the church has become, and that, that is a problem. So my third point, my, my uh, third question, will we be a part of the remnant? Will we be a part of the remnant? And, and maybe I should change that word to you instead of we. You know, I believe the Bible clearly teaches that at the end of time, you know, the Bible says that the love of many will wax cold. Bible says there'll be a great falling away. Are we not seeing that before our very eyes? Are those things not coming to pass? But I believe the Bible also says when Jesus comes back, there will be real, genuine Christians living on the earth. Are we going to be part of that? Are we going to be part of those who haven't fallen into secularism, who haven't fallen into false doctrine, who haven't fallen into all the things that are going on? And are we, when the Lord, when the Lord comes back to receive us into the air, will we be part of those who stayed true all the way to the end? Good question. That's a really good question. And so I just want to say this very, very dogmatically. 
I've been saying this for 15 years, but let me say it today one more time. There's nothing will replace biblical preaching. We can do all kinds of other things in the church. That's fine. They have replaced biblical preaching with worship. They have replaced biblical preaching with events and with outreach and with this and with that and the other. And they say, we're doing all these good things. We don't really need the preaching of the Word of God. And can I tell you, that's where we get in trouble. We all need the Word of God on a regular basis. So we, we have to have the Word of God. So let me brag on the Sand Hill Church for a little bit. Um, when this virus first started, um, you know... I am a man, and I am of sinful flesh, and as much as I would like to stand here and tell you that this is not true, uh, Sister Georgie, sometimes the devil still gets in my head, all right, and I have imaginations, and I have thoughts, and I have this, and I have that, and you got to understand as the pastor, um, the, the strangest thing, and every pastor goes through this, and, and I really wish I could tell you guys I was stronger than that, but I can't. But you can have, you know, you can have 97% of the people behind you 100%. But if you've got two people complaining, all you think about all week long is them two people that's complaining to you. <laughs> that's all you think about. Everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. Everybody's against me. So I spend a lot of time listening to the criticism and, and taking that to heart on, on how bad of a job I'm doing, how bad our church is doing us. So then the, the virus hit. The virus hit. And I remember the feeling in my stomach when I knew we're not going to gather anymore. It's just going to be online. And I'll be real honest. The devil was telling me, you know all those people who said how terrible you are? You know all those people who don't really want the Bible? You know all those people who aren't interested in church? You ain't going to have nothing when you go to online. But we proved him wrong, didn't we? We proved him wrong, didn't we? I mean, we took, we took, uh, uh, I guess you call it attendance and just kind of tried to keep track, but I believe as far as we know, every last person who went to this church was watching us online. I'm like, oh my goodness. Everybody's watching. And then after we had been out for, for, I don't know, two or three months, we began to hear a lot of complaining. I want to come back to church. I want to come back to church. Pastor, I don't care what we got to do. I want to come back to church. And Sister Bessie, I thought, those people really love Jesus. <laughs> Why wasn't I paying attention, right? Those people really love Jesus. And then me and Josh got together, and when this whole thing started, and, and it was new territory, and nobody you couldn't call another pastor and say, what are you going to do? Because nobody knew. And to be real, real honest, most pastors were calling us saying, what are we going to do? And I was blown away that people were coming. I mean, I thought all kinds of pastors were coming. Gary, what are we going to do? <laughs> what are you asking me for? Right? What are you asking me for? But we put together, and this is, this is what we came up with. We said, they can't come to church. This is a serious time. People are scared. People are nervous. What we need to do is, because we we don't have the ability to have church service right now. We need to put as much in their hands as we can about learning the Bible. We started putting out paper, uh, written things to learn from. We started putting all kinds of things online to learn from. Learning the Bible. Listen, it wasn't hoop. It wasn't holler. It wasn't this. It was learning the Bible. And you know what the Sand Hill Church did? They gobbled it up. They gobbled. They were. They were. They were. They were being involved. I mean, I'm talking about. We were having things five and six days a week, and they were being a part of it all of the time. Most of the people who weren't working were being there. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, these people love Jesus. And started having parking lot services, and that was phenomenal. And we had such great turnouts, and people were really enjoying that, participating. They, they were just. And I had different people in the parking lot said, "I just want to see my people." You know how good that makes a pastor feel when they pull in and say, I just 
want to see my people. Some of them did it from a distance, but they wanted to see their people. That's okay. Amen? And then we sent out some surveys. I'll be honest with you. I was blown away. We sent out surveys. Now, I'll remind you, the devil been telling me, nobody's interested in the Bible, nobody cares, no, everybody thinks you're a terrible preacher. And we sent out surveys. Now, we didn't get everybody to participate, but there were some of them we got pretty good participation in. And they came back with things like this. What is the most important reason you come to church? To hear the preaching of the Word of God. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness. <laughs> they get it. They get it. They, they, they understand. Right? And, 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 and then, and I want to say this, I want to say this real, real clearly. I, I wish more of you would do this. I w- wish more of you listening this morning would do this. And I wish more of you would do this. But, but we started having scripture sit down and, and worldview. And try to come up with a, with a platform whereby it wasn't you just sitting there listening to me ramble for, you know, you know I can ramble for an hour, that's not a problem. But it wasn't you just sitting there listening to me ramble like you always have to, but it was asking you questions so as you would participate. I'll be honest, I was blown away with you guys. The answers that came back, I'm thinking to myself, they've been listening. Oh my goodness, they've been paying attention. I mean, it's like they're just quoting back the things that they've been hearing from them. And the devil been telling me for all these, listen to me, this is very dear to my heart. The devil been telling me for all this time, you're wasting your time, nobody's listening to anything you say. And when I begin to have the scripture sit down, you guys were, you guys get it. You get, when we ask biblical questions, when we come to hard situations, when we, when we start laying those things out there, I didn't know what kind of responses I was going to get. And when I started reading those questions, I thought, oh my goodness, these people are get, these people know the Bible. They're paying attention. They're getting this. They want the Word of God and they understand the Word of God. Praise God. Amen. And, and this is a really strange thing to say. And I don't know how many pastors can say this in the whole entire country. But can I just say this honestly, from a spiritual standpoint, this virus is probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. Because I look around and say, wow, I am so proud to be a part of this church. It's a good church. It is a good church. And the people understand the importance of the Word of God. And so I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of where we are. I'm proud of, I'm, I'm proud of the place that we are. But biblically... Um, the most important thing we can do is understand the Bible. There's a lot of good things we can do after that, but until we do that, we can't do anything. We've got to know the Bible. <clears throat> now, most people would fight you, and even a few people that go to this church who, who maybe have a different view on things, most people will fight you and be very offended when you say things like, you guys just aren't interested in the Bible. Because everybody said, because I've, you know, I've been in church all my life, and I've known probably literally thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians, and I've never met one who said, I'm just not interested in the Bible. Because that, you don't say that, right? But really what they, but really what, what I'm trying to get at is, yeah, you carry a Bible under your arm, you believe in the Ten Commandments, you wouldn't cuss or commit adultery or get drunk, but much deeper than that, you don't have a clue. And it's because if we're going to have a class, if we're going to learn, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that. I mean, if you're going to have a worship service, you're going to have a singing, I'll be there, brother. If you're going to talk about the details of the Bible, I'm not interested in that. That's what I'm talking about. But can I just say this? We got a whole bunch of people at Sand Hill Church. I believe a vast majority, 90, 95% of the people who understand that as a Christian, we're going to need the Word of God. We're going to need to understand it. We're going to need to study it and in detail understand it and grasp it. Listen, we are way past that day when you can just say, don't do this because my church doesn't believe in it. 
If you don't know why, you're in bad place. I just talked to a couple. I just talked to a couple. Can, can we talk about? Um, and I, I, don't, I want to try to do this as best I can. You, you guys, excuse me if I don't do this right. Can we talk about millennial just for a minute? They are a very. I, I'm starting to believe that that is my calling here on earth is, is millennial. But but they are a very interesting group of people. You know, we have the World War II generation, whatever that was called, and and they were just grit and, and crawl, right? I mean, they were just. Uh, bury, bury your jaw, no matter how hard it gets, you just get through it, right? And everything was black and white to them, and they didn't really have to know why. They just, man, we believe it, and this is what we do. And then the baby boomers came along, and, and they were all about making money, and they raised us, right? And then we seen all the hypocrisy and everything else because they were just all about making money and, and having a big life and whatever. And now, so we have my generation who comes along, whatever we're called, we have my generation who comes along, and we're a little bit twisted because of some of the things, the way we were raised. And then we have the millennial come along. Can I tell you, that is the most fascinating generation. If you really study about it, they're one of the most fascinating generations that's ever been born. But you know one thing you can't do? You can't tell a millennial what they got to do. You have to prove it to them. We're way past that day. The preacher said it. You better do it. That ain't happening. You, listen, any millennial who's, a, who's a, anything like a millennial, you're going to show me exactly why that is true. So I sat and talked to, I sat and talked to people who are millennial, and, and, they, and, and they begin to spout off all these things that are, not, that are not right. Now, if I, and I'm very, very carefully watching my words, but if I just start saying, well, our church believes this, and I believe that, and that's wrong, you shouldn't be doing it. They're going to walk out there and think, that guy's crazy. I ain't listening to a thing he says. You know what you got to do to Melina? You've got to prove to them, this is why, this is what the Bible says, and in a very clear, uh, intelligent, logical explanation, this is what the Bible says, and this is why we do what the Bible says. Here's the neat thing about millennial. Most of them will follow if you can show them what the Bible says. We like to condemn them. We like to criticize them. We need to say they're so, that we like, we like to put them down. A lot of people like to put them down. But here's the thing. You can't find a better bunch of people if you prove to them what the Bible says. They will follow you. with everything. I, I've talked to other pastors from other churches. I talked to uh, Brother Matt Pond about this very situation. That's what he said. Was, me and him were having this conversation. We were both totally in agreement. He said, if you can show them what is right, you've got some good people right there. But they're not just going to take your word for it. Can I tell you, we're past that day of the preacher said it and you better do it. We're past that day. You better have Bible to back up what you believe. And has anybody noticed that there's a lot going on right now of questioning things that we've always done? You know why? Because everything we've always done isn't always right. We need to see what the Bible says. So we need to get down to why do we believe what we believe? What does the Bible say? And get down to in-depth study of the scriptures to have a foundation that is not what we've always done, what we've always believed, what the traditions are, but it is what thus saith the word of God. And that's what we need to do. Amen? So, let me just close with this. If we look at the last verse that we read, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour the Lord doeth come. I believe that was a warning. You know what Jesus is saying? You better be paying attention. When the economy's good and you got more than you've ever had and finances are good and world peace and, and yada, 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 and everything is looking great, you better keep your eyes on Jesus because he might just slip in when you're not expecting him to come. 
And I believe that a lot of the church is going to be caught off guard when he comes back to get us. But I hope Sand Hill says, I'm watching and I'm waiting and just can't wait till he gets here. Amen. Now, today we are going to have to stand on the word of God to have a ministry. Now, I say that I'll say a couple things. I'm closing. but Let me just say a couple things. If you follow all of the things, and I know Josh has been trying to put a lot of stuff out, and I've been trying to tell you, and we've been kind of trying to let you guys know what's going on in kind of, if you will, the, the, the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, the, the United States Church. But there are a whole lot of churches that are in really, really bad shape right now. A lot of those are because they had 5,000 people before, but they only had 500 that were saved, and now that we're not having service, those people are just not coming back. Can you imagine being a pastor of a church that had 5,000 people, and you're raking in just money hand over fist, and all of a sudden the, the virus hits, and you've got 500 people to stay with you? That's what a lot of people are experiencing. And, and, and there, are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of churches that, that it's, it's becoming evident people are falling away. And maybe, and I, I'm not prophesying, I'm not saying this, this Gary's just talking, okay, everybody understand that, do I need to repeat that? I'm just making a comment. But is it possible the great falling away comes because of this right here? In other words, it's a revealing of those who really have it and those who really don't. And you can see here in the church, there are some people, I said a couple weeks ago, I can't get rid of some of you guys. No matter what I do, you guys are not going to leave. You guys are just going to be here. You guys love Jesus. You guys love a church. You guys are here for the real reason. It isn't because of me. It isn't because of the show. It isn't because of a thing. It is because you love Jesus. And when that is the situation, you are a real Christian. And no matter what the virus does, the government or anybody else, you're going to serve Jesus. And that's what we need in the church. Because anything else, I believe, is just going to fall away. We've been talking about the wheat and the tares and about the, the weeding out and about those that aren't real and everything else. And, and, I, and I've been very fearful but that, that there'll be some in the Sand Hill Church that will lose through this. But can I just tell you, those that, are, those that are really committed, no matter what the future holds, they're going to be here. You guys get that? Which one are you, by the way? Which, which one are you at home? Which, which one are you? Are you one of the ones that will be here no matter what the virus does, no matter what the government does, no matter who wins the election, no matter what comes, what goes, you're going to be here? Whether the economy tanks out or whether we're all filthy rich, you're going to be here. Or are you one of the ones who, I don't know, I'm not real sure if I'm coming back. I'm not talking about the virus, I'm talking about church. If you're staying home because you're concerned about your health, I have no criticism whatsoever. But if you're staying home and considering not coming back because you really don't love Sand Hill Church, that's what I'm talking about. But can I just say this? I believe that number is very, very, very small because you guys have proven you guys love Jesus. Let me, let me give you this and then I'll close. We, we started pointing out the fact um, back when this very first happened, we made some videos and we've, we brought this out several times. I really want you guys to get this. This is kind of the point of the whole message. We started making uh, the point that before the virus ever hit, and I, I take zero credit for this, it definitely wasn't me that did this, and I, to be honest with you, I was kind of ignorant about the whole thing, but but Brother CJ and Josh and, and, and Brother Tom, different ones, the, I call them our geeks, but uh, uh, they, they, they started saying, Let, let's set things, let's get our technology in line, let's get things situated, whatever, and most of the churches were like, nah, I don't want that, and some churches, I don't believe in that stuff, and you know, blah, 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 well then, we had nothing. Well, we'd already been doing live stream for a long time. We already had all the equipment, all the technology. We knew what we were doing, had to make a few adjustments, and we went right forward. I believe God had positioned us to keep that going. God knew what was coming before it ever happened. Now, I want to show you something else. This is, this is, this is what I want to show you. I also believe that before the virus ever hit, that God knew the only churches that were going to survive are the ones that are really founded on the Word of God. 
And I believe he positioned us in such a way that we were in perfect position. When all this craziness happens, we're going to stand. And I am amazed that, I don't even know, is it five, six months, however long it's been going on since March, I guess, that we are doing phenomenal. And most of you, get this, blows my mind, most of you who took the survey said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing better than I was, have ever done before. Spiritually, we're very, very strong. We're very close to God. We're very encouraging. And I don't know about you, but I can say as your pastor, because I know from week to week we're only here one, one, one uh, time a week, and because I know that that could go away at any time, when I am here, this is precious. This is precious. I value being here. I, I, I long to be here. I don't get to be here three times a week. I don't get to be with you guys all the time. So when I come here, I want to worship my God. I want to, I want to give it my very best. I want to be excited. I want to do all that I can. Uh, some say, well, the service is too long, this, that, that. But can I tell you, this is the only time I get to worship my Jesus. I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited other people want to be here. Amen. So I want to give you guys that we were positioned, not only only with the technology, but we were positioned biblically. God knew before this ever came, get get in the Word of God, learn the Word of God, study the Word of God. Most of you guys have done that. Now that we're here, we're in a very good position to go forward. There's a whole world out there, people, that are on their way to hell. And... You know, I, I, don't, I, um, I trust that Alan and Laura are watching. And, and I, Sister Laura, I wanted to ask your permission before I did this, but I'm just trusting that you won't get your feelings hurt when I say this. She changed my life, Sister Laura did. And I mean that very literally. I, since, the, since the day that they were at her house, I cannot get it off my mind. It is one of the most staggering, sobering thoughts I have ever heard in my entire life. But Sister Laura sat on my couch. She was not raised in church. Didn't understand most of the things we do. Most of you know she'd been coming here for a long time. She got saved. And this is what she told me. This changed my life forever. She looked me in the eye and she said, if someone wouldn't have told me this, I'd have spent my whole life and went to hell and never known any better. You think about that. How many millions of people are there? What she's saying is, I didn't even know I was going to hell. I didn't even know I needed Jesus. The most precious thing she said, when I sat down and explained the plan of salvation to her and the gospel, she said, that's all there is to it? Isn't it a lot harder than that? Isn't it a lot more? And I said, no, Jesus made it easy for you. This is all you got to do. Believe in him, trust him, you can go to heaven. And she said, if you hadn't told me, I'd have lived my whole life and died and went to hell. Now, if that don't stir your heart up, you really need to come to the altar. Because this preacher hasn't been able to get over it to this day. Because now I know... Every- Every person I pass at work, every person I pass at Walmart, most of them are in that situation. If someone doesn't tell them, they're going to live their whole entire life. They're going to die and go to hell. And they're going to say, I didn't even know I needed Jesus. And our job is to tell them, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. And I want to encourage the Sand Hill Church, we are positioned. Because I don't have, I don't believe we have a bunch of people here who don't know the Bible. I believe we have most of the people here who know the Bible. And we know what we need to do. And we need to go out there and do it. Amen. And we need to tell people why they need Jesus and be able to take the Bible and show them this is what the Word of God says. This is right. Listen, there's no sense in arguing with people they need to quit sinning. That's foolishness. It isn't time to get people to quit sinning. It's time to get people to get saved. Amen. We get them saved, they'll quit sinning. We get them quit sinning, they're, go to, they're still going to go to hell. Right? You guys with me?
Amen? Let us stand. Amen. We'll go into the altar call. Don't know that we have any lost here this morning with us. If we do, uh, boy, I would encourage you not to leave the house this morning without, without finding Jesus your Savior. Those watching us online, we, we just come into your home and so thankful that you've watched us, watched it to this point. And just want to say with all of, all of our heart, with all the love that we have, if there's not been a time when you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will go to hell. You, you will die and go to hell. The Bible's really clear on that. This isn't a Baptist doctrine. It isn't Gary's opinion. Simply good works, living a good life, being good to your neighbor, being a good person. No doubt many of you watching this are very good people, but that's not how you get to heaven. The way you get to heaven is believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins, accepting that payment, admitting you were a sinner, repenting, and and going to heaven. Would you do that right now? If you're at home, you can bow down on, in your, on your couch. Wherever you're at, you can bow down. Would you do that right now? Say, preacher, I'd like to be saved. I don't really know how. Oh, we'd love to help you. You can private message us. You can comment below. You can, you can get a hold of us. We'd love to help you. But friend, don't put it off. Hell is real. Hell is coming. We don't know when, but it could be very soon. Don't put it off. Give your heart to Jesus before it's everlasting too late. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you have been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together enliven each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content and programming provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages by visiting our website at www.sandhillfwb.com.